0: We are so grateful for the presence again today of the Reverend Reginald Calvert. He's the pastor of New Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church in Bessemer, Alabama. So thank you for being here again today. And we also look forward to our speaker tomorrow, who is the well-loved... Um, former vice dean here, and the current dean of um, St. Peter's Cathedral in Helena, Montana, and that is Heidi Kinner, who will be with us Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Reverend Calvert will preach after we sing hymn number 490, verses 1 and 3. Lord, preach through me by the power of the Holy Spirit, the glory of God, in the name of Jesus. This is my prayer. Amen. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Canon Layton for her hospitality and her prayers. Good seeing you once again. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. From 1 Kings chapter 19, let's look at another prophet of the Lord. i begin reading at verse 1, chapter 19. Hear these words from the word. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And left his servant there But he himself went a day's journey Into the wilderness And came and sat down under a broom tree He asked That he might die Saying it is enough now O Lord Take away my life For I am no better than my fathers He lay down And slept under a broom tree And behold an angel touched him And said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God, the word of the Lord. I want to talk about a mountaintop experience and a broom tree moment. The prophet Elijah has been commissioned by God to go and speak to King Ahab. There's a problem in Israel because Ahab is under the influence of the queen Jezebel. Jezebel is the daughter of Ethbaal, who was the king of the Sidonians. They believed in polytheism, which is the worship of many gods. God said to his people, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yet under the influence of Jezebel, the people of God have turned away from God. And now they are worshipping Baal. Baal is this idol god and it is believed that he could produce rain, produce fire, and he could even ride the clouds. And god will prove to his people that there is no other god in all the earth except the God of Israel, Yahweh. He commissions Elijah and he says, what I really want you to do, I want you to go and give a theological weather report to my people. Chapter 17, verse 1. Just let Ahab know that there shall be neither rain nor dew these many years until I say so. According to Luke chapter 4, verse 25, Jesus says that the heavens were shut up for three years and six months. And what Elijah does, he lets King Ahab know that Baal cannot produce rain. And what God does, he sends a divine disconnect notice to let Israel know that there shall not be any rain. There's something very powerful about God when it comes to water. As a matter of fact, water obeys God more than we do. (laughs) If he's trying to lead Israel out of Egypt, He can send an east wind and the waters will roll up like retainer walls and allow the Israelites to cross on dry land. There's something about water that water will just obey God. So much so that if Jesus steps off of dry land and steps onto water, water will suffer a temporary identity crisis and think that it is a sidewalk and allow Jesus to walk on it. So much so that even in John chapter 2 when Jesus attends a wedding feast in Cana, he will say fill six water pots and he will turn water into wine but it is said that what really happened in Cana is that Jesus looked at those six water pots and the water saw that its creator was looking at it and the water blushed <laughs> and God holds back the water and then he says to his prophet Elijah for he knows that Ahab wants to kill the prophet, but he says I want you to go down to the brook Caron I will sustain you there. Verses 4 through 6 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings. The prophet has to go to the brook, Carrot, And there what God does. He deputizes ravens. I know in my heart that everything that God creates, God is able to control. I can remember as a little boy sitting under uh, one of my pastors. And he didn't have formal theological training. But he knew the sovereignty of God. He had his own way of expressing God's sovereignty. He didn't speak the language, uh, theological language of creatio ex nihilo, which really means that God creates out of nothing. He he couldn't use that vocabulary. But he simply said that God stepped out of nowhere and stood on nothing and reached into nowhere and caught something and hung something on nothing and told it to stay there. (laughs) He saw this sovereignty where God can depotize ravens, ravens, ravenous birds, stingy birds, and say, I want you to feed my prophet. Which lets us know that God can care for us through unordinary means, unexpected means, to depotize a raven. Which lets us know that long before we started with uh, meals on wheels, God had already established meals on wings in order to provide for his prophet. He stays at the Brook Carrot. But in verse 7, that's a problem. The brook dries up. Now it's time for the prophet to move on. Verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Get thee to Zarephath. For I have commanded a widow to sustain you there. And what he does, he travels to Zarephath. Now in my own sanctified imagination, I would think that once I arrived in Zarephath, that there would be a major meal prepared for me wonderful steak uh, potato some collard greens if I could just be myself (laughs) but he gets there and here's this woman she's out gathering sticks and he says to her in verse 10 bring me a cruise of water she says I can do that verse 11 he says by the way bake me a morsel of bread she says can't do that don't have enough meal to do it all I have is just this Little meal, just enough to bake bread for me and my son to eat and die. The man of God says, if you would just trust God and bake me a morsel of bread, God will fill your meal and it shall sustain you until it rains again. She has to trust God. God is working a miracle because uh, the prophet is in Zarephath, he's not in Israel, and God is going to perform a miracle outside of Israel since the Israelites will not obey God. Now, he has to move on. Chapter 18, verse 1. God says, I want you to go back and meet Ahab. I know he wants to kill you, but I want you to meet him. And I want you to tell Ahab that I'm going to send rain. Verse 3 of chapter 18 says that that was a very significant person in the life of uh, Ahab. His name was Obadiah. And he took the prophets of God in fifties and placed them in a cave. And he gave them bread and he gave them water. And bread and water just keeps popping up in this text for some reason. And he sustained the prophets. Finally, it is Elijah who sees Obadiah. He says, Listen, let your Lord know that I'm here and I want to speak with him. Obadiah has a problem with this because he knows that Elijah is a man of God. He gets caught up in the spirit, he will be, get carried away by the spirit and disappear. He says, listen, I have a problem. If I go and I tell my Lord that you're here, and I bring him here, you're not here, he'll kill me. He searched everywhere for you. But Elijah gives him comfort. lets him know, I give you my word, I'll be here. He comes. The prophet speaks to the king. He says, you are the troubler of Israel. You have led God's people astray. What I want you to do is gather them to the mountain. And uh, let us have this showdown. They gather all the people. Verse 21, chapter 18, the prophet asked the question, How long will you continue to live between two opinions? Verses 36 through 40, they set up the two altars. One for Baal, one for Yahweh. And they start the contest. And the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets, they call on Baal to produce fire. But he can't produce fire. God knows this. But he's willing, because he loves us so, to prove to us time after time that he is our God. And therefore, after uh, calling on Baal all day long and getting no response, the people finally give up. The prophet stands and he prays to the Lord and he calls down fire. Fire falls and it consumes the burnt offering, consumes the wood, the stone, the dust. It licks up the water. And the people turn and they worship God. They say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah feels good. This is wonderful. He's on the mountain. God answered his prayer. And now he's happy. He feels this sense of fulfillment on Mount Carmel. Have you ever been on Mount Carmel? This is when everything is going well in your life. Children are doing well, bringing home good grades. Have you ever been on Mount Carmel? No financial stress. Your company is thriving. Your numbers are good. Have you ever been on Mount Carmel? When your marriage is healthy and when you wake up and you look at your wife and you say, baby, you make my brown eyes blue. (laughs) Been on Mount Carmel. It's a wonderful place to be. But that's the problem. Although Israel turned back to God, that was one person refused to do so. her name is Jezebel she says no can do and after they killed all the prophets of Baal chapter 19 verse 1 Ahab goes back and he tells Jezebel what happened and Jezebel sends a threat in verse 2 of chapter 19 to the prophet that by this time tomorrow I'm going to make your life as the prophets that you killed but this is a problem for the prophet now he's afraid and the Bible says he ran For his life And he runs And he finally stops And he sits under a broombrush brush tree He's depressed And he asks God God take my life I'm no better than my father's Now he really didn't mean this And he could have saved God the trouble Even from not answering this prayer Because Jezebel had just told him In verse 2 that she would kill him But then he asked God, will you kill me? He didn't mean it. And I just have to thank God, you know, for unanswered prayers. (laughs) And God doesn't say a word to the prophet. He's running. God never told him to run. God instructed this prophet throughout his ministry. Chapter 17, verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came unto him. God sustained him through ravens and water from the brook. Chapter 17, verse eight. Then the word of the Lord came unto him. God sustained him through this widow in Zarephath. Chapter 18, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto him. And then God sent down fire on Mount Carmel. But God had not said a word in chapter 19 and he's running. You can't move until God instructs you to move. You don't move because there's a threat. You move because God tells you to move. You don't resign because you're angry. You don't quit until God tells you to quit. And God doesn't say a word. And what God does, he has an angel to place bread and water at the head of this prophet. But God is silent. I believe that God is speaking through this substance. He's not going to say anything. He's going to show him something. He wants him to see because the angel wakes him up and says, wake up and eat. Here's bread, here's water. He wakes up, he eats, and he goes back to sleep. But he's not getting the message. God is not speaking. God is showing them something. He is a show and tell God. In chapter 17, verses 4 through 6, it is bread and water that sustained him when he was at the brook. The raven showed up every morning and every evening with bread and meat, and he drank water. In chapter 17, verses 10 through 16, it was bread and water that sustained him. Bring me, in verse 10, a cruise of water, bake me bread. God sustained him. In chapter 18 and verse 4, it is Obadiah who sustained the prophets with bread and water. And God is not saying anything, but he's trying to show the prophets something. And there are times in our lives when God, we may not hear a word, but we can see a word. When well, God is speaking, and if we would just look back and see what God has already done for us, what God has already brought us through, there's somebody here today that needs to stop and see your bread and water. God is saying to you, I will not allow you to give up underneath this broom tree. There's something more that I have for you to do in your life. Can you see your bread and water? wakes up and he goes in the strength of that bread and water for 40 days and 40 nights. He ends up in a mountain, Mount horeb Verse 13, God asks a question because he's hiding in a cave. God never told him to run. God never told him to hide. And God asks this question. The Bible says he came in a still small voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? You know, it always concerns me when God asks questions. Because I know he's omniscient, which really means that God knows everything. And when God, when omniscience asks intellect to respond, it is never for the reason of teaching God anything, because we can't teach God anything. He knows everything. So he always asks questions to inform us. Adam, where are you? He knows that Adam is in the garden. Who told you you were naked? He knows that they have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Cain, where's your brother? He knows that Abel is dead. What is your name? He knows that his name is Jacob. Surplanted, hill catcher, trickster. Joseph, who are you looking for? He knows that Joseph is looking for his brothers. Moses, what do you have in your hand? He knows that Moses has a staff in his hand. And finally, he has to ask uh, the question, uh, 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 to, to ask uh, the question to Ezekiel. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel has more sense than many of us, for he says, God, I don't know, but I know that you know. <laughs> and then he commissions him Continue to run on his journey. I want you to anoint the king of Israel. I want you to anoint uh, the king of Syria. And then I want you to anoint Elijah. And then God flies him to heaven. The fact is, today, is that God will not allow this prophet to die underneath the broom tree. Because there's a tree that is greater than the broom tree. It's a tree called Calvary. Calvary. And there's a prophet that is greater than the prophet Elijah. And his name is Jesus. And he takes this tree of death. In order to deliver us from this tree of depression. For it is Jesus who bears all of our sins. It is Jesus who pays the ultimate price for us. To let us know. That when we have our broom tree moment. That we do have victory. Through the cross. That he bore for us. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know that he holds the future. And that makes life worth living. Just because my Savior lives. Amen. Amen. Grace, peace, mercy from God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen.